Now there is still no word on the cure for the virus. Report suspicious activity in the call 911. <laughs> Hey, all you Rosicrucians and Freemasons, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. What's up, dude? I'm staring at a, uh, I'm staring at a VHS cover that, uh, well, you'll remember this, we went to... Uh, one of our favorite stores on the planet, oh, yeah. Wizards in our in our little hometown here, and uh, we've talked about them on the show numerous times. times. But man, they had a deal on VHS, and uh, I saw this one. You know those old like clamshells, uh, you know, like like the Disney. If kind of yeah, that shape. Mm-hmm. Okay, but like if you remember back to like early eighties video stores, not even Blockbuster, but like a local video store. Oh, yeah. Instead of just having the like the typical slip cover, they would just basically cut the cover mm-hmm. and then just slide it into this clamshell. The, thing you're talking so about that, like the the kind of smoky, clear. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, you know, this movie. As I'm looking at it, I mean, it, it's got a sticker on it that says R restricted. Oh yeah. Uh, but then it's got like a blue like marker X on it, and looking at the cover, I got to be honest with you, I'm not real sure. <laughs> What I'm holding here. Um, if I was a kid, I would be nervous that my mom's going to find this tape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it does say action adventure on it. So it's called Sudden Death. And then it says, don't mess with this dirty Harriet, which, mm. boy, that already sounds. And, and like the, the front cover's got this lady on it. Very attractive lady. A lot of cleavage. Um, plenty of cleavage, pointing a gun straight at you. <laughs> um, don't recognize any of the actors, which is typically a sign of, boy, this might. This might have some serious things. And then on the back, one of the best things ever, from the New York Post, so mm. pretty pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It says, rated on a score of 1 to 10, sudden death is at the very top for sex and violence. <laughs> so they didn't even use a numerical scale. Well, not, They're going to let us, it's just at the top. So it's an 8, it's a 7, it's a 9, I don't know, and, maybe a 10. And not even that. It's not like a scale of how good the movie was it's just the scale of like how much sex and violence yeah, is exactly. in the movie they're just they're just cutting to the chase yeah. here yeah it's amazing like if you ever read some of these covers man like the writing is hilarious <laughs> yeah. you know like the descriptions of the movies like the guys at wizards like found this movie that just looked i mean just it looks like well, it's a movie that well first let, let's explain that that we're looking at VHS and then Dustin comes out and says, Oh, oh man, we got tons that we haven't oh, even Oh, yeah, put we out got yet. some more boxes. And he just starts bringing these like huge cardboard <laughs> huge boxes. Huge card, like cardboard boxes, bins full of tapes, yeah. tons of good stuff. I mean, unfortunately, like a lot of it already had. Mm-hmm. But then, like, it's always now I'm in this like mode of collecting stuff that's just like more than likely cinematic garbage. Oh, yeah. Like this one's called The Viking Sagas. On the back, I mean, God, I don't know who had. It's like they they're writing this, and they're like 
having a joke. You know, it's like <laughs> an epic adventure is what it says. In a merciless land in a forgotten time, one warrior stands alone in the fight for vengeance and justice. I mean, maybe I should wow do like a movie trailer thing. Ralph Moeller is Kajartan, a giant <laughs> pillar of a man, battling the barbaric forces of darkness. His father has been executed in the name of tyranny. His people have been routed from their lands. Um, oh, God, this is intense, dude. His country's landscape is dense with the smoke of burning bones. Whoa. <laughs> oh, this sounds awesome, actually. Only the protection of the magical ghost sword, the teachings of a legendary warrior, and the love of a beautiful woman can help to sustain him in a monumentous struggle for victory, revenge, and redemption. Jeez, dude, I mean, this that's actually pretty good, pretty actually. cool. Well, I stand yeah. corrected. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I came in thinking it was going to be silly. I left thinking, like, I can't wait until we're done recording this podcast because I know what movie I'm going to watch. Oh, absolutely. Did, uh, hey, what about the uh, the point blank or the uh, point break ripoff movie? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, see, like, here's the thing point break, you know, it's more like this dude surfing the wheel, chasing this, like, you know, like unreachable sort of just like rush of just, it, you know, that's what makes them bank robbers. Spoiler alert. Uh, don't watch the new one. And uh, this one it. that we Is found, it terrible? the new one, yeah, yeah, yeah man, mm-hmm. I remember hating it. I mean, God, why would you remake? I mean, come on, dude, mm-hmm. Swayze. Anyway, like if they do a Roadhouse remake, yeah, I might have to like write a senator or something. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. Um. So yeah, this other movie we found is called the, or it's just called North Shore. Um, in 1987 surf movie, basically. Apparently it's about the adventure of a lifetime. So uh, it begins when an 18-year-old surfing champion from Arizona uh, okay, tries to fulfill his ultimate dream of riding the awesome waves of Hawaii's legendary North Shore. Mm. I mean, it kind of sounds like a, uh, like a Disney movie, like a Friday it night Disney. It kind of looks like it might be, yeah. Teen movie, like, you know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think, what, what are those movies? My sister was around that era when like they really started pushing those like there was like a skateboard one. Oh, i'm sure man i, I don't know there, oh there was there was one where like a kid was like from i think he was like from canada or something he was like a hockey kid and then he came out here and like switched to like rollerblades out in california <laughs> i don't know man some of those like early 2000 when your sister would have been like that perfect age yeah, for that right like I don't. We were already kind of like older. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. Oh man, I, I didn't even mention this that we that we got. We found this treasure, uh, Blind Fury. Oh man, that's the best. I haven't seen it's, it in tw- twenty years. Oh yeah, me neither, dude. I, I mean, again, like as soon as we're off, I'm just going to be going bananas just watching stuff. Mm-hmm. The subtitle on this one is "He's lucky he can't see what he's up against." <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening you've never seen or even heard of blind fury basically like the main character is this blind vietnam vet mm-hmm. who takes on a gang of like these mafia dudes and he's you know like i said blind but he uses like these these um he uses like a samurai sword katana thing that two samurai swords oh that's right two two and the the scene that just like and i'm hoping at this point that it's actually in there but what i remember is him just like just using both swords, just you know, just going like nuts and swinging them around as people are like shooting him, and he's just like, ding, 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 like blocking the bulls or something. I think you're right. Yeah, that right. That sounds I mean, familiar. Yeah. What else could I be thinking of? Mm. I don't. I don't know. Like a cartoon, probably. But well, I, now there was the only thing I can think of is uh, Big Trouble in Little China. 
mm. the three like gods, you know, when he's dude. It's also been a long time since I watched dude, that. Uh, so my wife hates ninety nine percent of the things that uh, that you and I like, like all yeah. the nostalgia for like the eighties and and nineties and stuff. And I gotta say, I mean, she's a huge like Kurt Russell fan, so. You know, that was like my way in. I was like, oh, this, when I was a kid, this <laughs> You'll was love it. the best. And he is so freaking charming in that movie. Yeah, He's just like so likable and charismatic. But um, I got to say, dude, it holds up to a T. Like it's it's a really good movie. Man, I need to watch yeah, it. I, I mean, just the, the cover cool. just looks so cool. Oh, man. yeah. Uh, there, there actually was a, there was like a comic series, like a, I don't think it was like an adaptation, but it was sort of like a continuation of, of like where the movie kind of left off. I yeah. think that looked really cool, but I uh, I haven't read it. Maybe we need to hmm. check it out. Yeah, we need to check that out. Well, hey, look, I didn't mean to derail us, man. Well, listen, I know you've got something planned. for us. I've got something really big planned. Uh, I briefly mentioned it to you just to kind of, uh, you know, peak my interest. Wet your whistle. Wait, is that? Oh Ooh. man, that's not. Never mind. Um, I briefly told you just to kind of get you intrigued, and then uh, that was about it. So when we get back from the break, let's get into it. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. You're listening to That Would Be Rad. Okay, so I think the best way to get into this is to basically just read from the mouth of the guy that discovered this. Hmm. Uh, So, here we go. In 1994, I came to Tucson, Arizona from Columbus, Ohio to attend college at the University of Arizona. Wait, you know what? I'm going to need a little more mood. I got you. Woody, give me that music. I was majoring in journalism and minoring in computer science at the time. 
My freshman year was full of everything it should be, of new experiences and faces and sensations. I was alive with ignorant bliss, found only in the eyes of a freshman. I lived life. On May 1st, 1995, I ran across the first May Day page in the Arizona Daily Wildcat, the student-run campus newspaper. The cryptic mix of languages, symbols, and mathematics intrigued me, but I chalked it up to an obscure campus organization or some fraternity or drugs. I was, after all, a freshman. One year later, on May 1st, 1996, I saw my second May Day page. I knew something was up, but did no, no research and no digging. A year after that, in 1997, I saw the third May Day page. By then, I had gone to work for the Arizona Daily Wildcat as their webmaster, and I had new resources available to me. I had back issues and the internet. I entered the game. The game. The game. After a two-week frenzy of digging through dusty back issues, hunting down obscure sources, chasing leads, and rejoicing in the sheer mystery of what I had found, I assessed the situation. I discovered a very local, very obscure mystery with roots reaching back into the 70s. Someone, somewhere, is spending a decent amount of money to propagate a complex logic puzzle. The complexity of the puzzles was mind-boggling. Encompassing cryptic historical references, symbology, languages, and mathematical calculations, someone is spending a great deal of time and brain power to construct these mysteries. Lastly, much to my delight, the game is still afoot. The Mayday pages continue. I have unraveled the Mayday pages for as far as I can, and I am far from the goal. I need help. I need your help. The Mystery The game seems to revolve around May 1st, commonly known as Mayday. The solution to solving the puzzle lies within unraveling a series of complex, detailed, and interwoven pages that are printed every May 1st in the Arizona Daily Wildcat. In addition, there are occasional corrective pages, well, I call them that, others disagree, that run on seemingly random and unconnected dates that quote-unquote update the state of the game. Such ads are usually short, just as cryptic, and seek to modify part of an existing Mayday page to reflect necessary changes to the game, i.e., one such page makes a reference to a road or path that is unpassable and gives alternate coordinates with an apologetic tone. Every single page will mention several clues, keywords, and dates, as well as other dates and page numbers of related Mayday pages that can be found in the back issues of the Arizona Daily Wildcat. The pages seem to be interwoven with one another. I have done extensive research to dig up as many of the Mayday pages as I can, and I have analyzed them extensively. I've hit a wall, though. I don't know all of the obscure languages and symbols. Here's what I do know. Someone is doing their historical homework. There is a wealth of obscure historical information here, ranging from references to historical figures, religious and otherwise, to items and occurrences. There is a historical relevance to solving the game. Someone is doing their mathematical homework. Once again, more strange symbols and whatnot, ranging from physics to chemistry to binary encodings. The clues come in every shape and form. The game's author seems to have a fascination with informational encoding systems and the like. Someone had extra money to burn on this puzzle. Full-page ads in the Arizona Daily Wildcat aren't cheap, and the pages have been running for over 10 years. The game's author is familiar with the Tucson area and the University of Arizona campus. Like I said, 
It's a semi-local game, but you can't tell that until you really get into the clues. And lastly, there seems to be a reward or an endpoint. There are references to a safe deposit box located in a bank in the downtown Tucson area. I'm not promising anything, as I have not yet unraveled the mystery. All of this suggests a deliberate, organized effort to carefully construct a puzzle that leads to some eventual endpoint. I can guarantee you the Mayday pages are not the work of a mentally challenged individual. Update. I take the above statement back. They could be completely loony freaks. But as of January 15th, 1999, I believe they are at least interesting loony freaks and worthy of some sort of attention, whatever their intentions. They're too systematic, they're too detailed, and like I said, they're expensive. This, my friend, is the legendary... Mayday Mystery, man, which goes all the way back to, as far as the archived sort of collection of ads, this mm-hmm. for sure goes back to 1981. So, I mean, that's that's my birthday, and that's I'll be 40 here in June. So, mm-hmm. 40 years, bro, man. I mean, that's just it's just crazy. And so, like, I know when you first told me about this, well, a couple of things. One. It is a little bit difficult for the listener, I think, to kind of picture. And we'll we'll go into some of what these ads look like. And this is a very, like, visual yeah. mystery. Mm-hmm. And so what we're going to do is, you know, typically we do, like, an artifacts Instagram post after our episodes that kind of show some of the stuff that we've talked about and all that. And I'm thinking that we'll end up posting a lot of these um, on there so that people can kind of see what we're talking about and start to dig in themselves. Oh, yeah. But just to kind of like summarize, this guy, mm-hmm. Brian, uh, and we don't know his last name, right? Uh, Brian Hans. Okay, Brian Hans. H-A-N-C-E. Is a student. He works for this publication, you know, I guess run by students and and for this uh, university. Is it the University of Arizona or is it Arizona State? What is it? Uh, university of Arizona. Okay. Mm-hmm. That has been a longstanding publication there. Right. He just happened to start noticing these ads every May as a student there, uh, which is interesting that no one else kind of did prior to that. But, you know, when he's in college in the 90s, this has already, to his knowledge, been going on for like at least a decade. Right. You know? Well, and, and that's, I think that's cool too. What he said is like he, you know, he first saw it when he first came to the school. Uh, the next year rolled around, he saw it again and he was like, ah, oh, that's weird. I remember this from last year. And then by mm-hmm. the next year, he was working as the webmaster to the actual paper. So when he saw this come up, it was like, wait a minute, I got to look into this. And now I have research. I mean, now I have uh, resources to, you know, the archives of the paper. And so that's, I, I think it was it was sort of a uh, um, sort of synchronicity in a way that like, you know, he happened to be at the right place at the right time and, and yeah. had the resources to like go back and be like, oh, wait a minute. This is like at least been going on since 1981. Man. And, you know, it's funny because like, again, because it's so hard for us to kind of describe what these look like and, and the the listeners might just kind of be like, I don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. So like if you picture like a typical newspaper ad, what is it? You know, it's like, hey, Fred's Dentistry or Woody's Insurance or... um 
you know, I don't know, man, uh, flower shop. Yeah, right. And, you know, $5 yeah. off at the ice cream dairy spot. Yeah, I mean, what, whatever it is. What are you that's looking like, through that just says flower shop? Flower shop. shop. You know, one, uh, five, 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 mm-hmm. one, five, 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 you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. <clears throat> just like small quarter page ads, whatever. The like, the, like a classified page. section. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, they're never, they're always like somebody just like, it's businesses trying to promote themselves, in this case, more than likely to this market, which is like mm-hmm. college students, right? So that's why, you know, I don't really know how many college students are buying flowers, but uh, that's neither <laughs> here nor there. But, um, you know, these ads that, that Tyler's talking about, like, that's what I'm saying as far as like, this is the first guy that noticed this. They are just extremely right. bizarre. Now, I will say the the first sort of generation of them, we'll call it, um, were much more simple. Mm-hmm. And so I think potentially easier to ignore. I mean, at the end of the day, whenever I was in college, I ignored a lot of stuff. Oh, and yeah. so I think it'd be easy. But like initially, I don't know, man, do you want to go into kind of what they look like Initially, or? so there's there's a few different kind of things. So you know, you run across like what he was saying. You run across those first few, and you know, even even this is something that kind of extends all the way until now. And so, if we're looking at it as 1981 is the as far back as we can go, the 41st anniversary of the Mayday Mystery will be happening this week. So more than likely, Man. if you guys really get into it. And you guys start jumping down that rabbit trail and really diving in over on the uh, the Mayday Mystery Facebook group. More than likely, you're going to see this brand new one that just came out, and that's pretty exciting. Man, that's really exciting. Yeah, that's man. amazing. Um, but what I was saying is, there's a few common threads that kind of you know link all the way back to the original ones to now. And you know, like you were saying before, the the newer ones, the later ones are far more complicated, far more complex than the older ones. So, for example, the one from 1982, it has this little smiley face character who has hair on his head, and he's affectionately referred to as, quote-unquote, the smiley guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just a picture of him. It's uh, some Japanese characters, uh, katakana or hiragana, I believe. Oh, (laughs) katakana. It's been forever since uh, I've attempted you know, to speak Japanese poorly. Attempted to learn Japanese, yeah. But um, so yeah, it could be off there. But some Japanese characters, this little smiley guy, and like a couple of sort of letter combinations, and then that's it. Whereas now, you know, in the last ten years, like if if you go down, like I said, the rabbit trail, you see, uh, you know, th- there's one. For example, that is pretty wild. I mean, this is, well, and this is even in 2008. So at the very center, and it's it's pretty artistic. Like, it's kind of beautiful, actually. Um, it There's like a mushroom cloud uh, surrounded by this sort of circular motif of like stained glass windows that have like doves and, you know, sort of your traditional religious stained glass windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sort of art. There, uh, Gustav Deray, which is this famous artist from back in the day, he would do these etchings. It's kind of in this sort of flowery kind of pattern and like masked out in those areas are, you know, they look like old school religious etchings. You know, there's one that has like 
some angels with uh, some Latin text around it. There's another that shows, looks like a king, possibly Jesus, you know, and some other sort of religious type, uh, more angels and stuff. And this is a thing that is pretty reoccurring. Um, so you'll see, mm-hmm. you know, at the top, it'll say May Day and then the date. And then typically there's this sort of bizarre kind of like phrase. And we'll get into this in a minute, but but there's the word leit motif. And then it's, you know, the phrase follows. And I think in doing a little research, I think what that is, that that kind of sets the play of like, like where to look and kind of the theme possibly. Mm -hmm. But whether it's a cross, whether it's sort of a four-sided composition, typically uh, all points of the four-sided, you know, the four sides of like a square or a cross, it'll say Luther, Cromwell, Calvin, and Gustavus Adolphus, which again, we'll get into these later. But these are these four sort of reoccurring characters. And like I said, we'll get into it in a minute. I have my theories on what these characters could kind of represent or what they mean. But it's a lot of the same thing. Like that, for example, seems pretty simple, but then well, not simple. I mean, it still seems impossible. <laughs> but what, what's what's like super intriguing about these is there's like an odd mix of like religious symbology. Oh, yeah. There are like there like mathematics, different languages, different like you know the very very first one. You look at it and you think it's pretty simple, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so like, and again, we'll definitely put this one up. So. There's just the letters SR, mm-hmm. forward slash, right. CL, and then colon Richmond. And then underneath that are like one, two, three, five Chinese characters. Japanese. Like you're, uh, the first one is Chinese. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> and then it just says May Day 1981. Yeah. And so like initially that seems super, super simple. Mm-hmm. But like one of the cool things about this, this webpage, which is maydaymystery.org that this guy Brian uh, started which which by the way that's where the text that i read up top um and he yeah. started this way back you know so it's an old school um, it looks 90s man it's so it's awesome. amazing yeah yeah but you go and you can like look at the archives and then essentially people will have posted clues that they kind of recognize within each one of these and i mean it's got everyone since this first one in May of 1981 all the way into I think the most recent is like June 2020. And then everything mm-hmm. else I think moved over to the Facebook forum or whatever. I think so too. The Facebook group. Yeah. But it's just super interesting because like you start reading through these and it's like, man, people are coming up with all these like super interesting things. Like like one of the statements is like, hey, for what it's worth, I don't think these are early ones are as simple as they appear. You know, mm. he talks about how one of the few things that they know about Chinese is that you count the number of brushstrokes in a character. I think it's the way they set up their dictionaries. Um, mm. There's like all kinds of stuff. And the the smiley man's not on this first one. There's also he, this he's thing He's on the, says, sec- the 82 one though. Okay. There's also this thing that someone wrote where it says, you know, the Chinese has been deciphered, but no one seems to have commented on the SR slash CL Richmond. If it's a place that's intended, there are umpteen to choose from. The SR slash CL, I seem to vaguely recall, has been commented on another page. So at the risk of repeating what someone else said, I came across this very formally used in a contingency planning context to represent safety review slash checklist. If that is what is intended, then Richmond might be connected 
in some way with their own contingency planning. All of the ads with this Chinese phrase are different. The differences are probably the more important part. So it's just, it's, I mean... And keep, keep in mind, the one that you're reading is by far as simple as it the, possibly gets. Exactly. So it's like there are pages and pages and pages of people just talking about this one. Mm-hmm. And as we'll see, there are some that are just like, I mean, honestly, man, when we first kind of talked about this and you sent me some of these, like, I, I got to, just to kind of give the audience some context, mm-hmm. you know, Tyler and I both have a lot of things in common, but this is definitely one of the characteristics that we both have in common and that our wives both make fun of us about. And here's what I mean. We are better off going to a restaurant. I thought you meant just in general. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're better off going to a restaurant and there only being like two items mm-hmm. on the menu, you know, like hot dogs or hamburgers. Mm-hmm. And even then, we're going to have our minds made up. We're like, yeah, yeah, I got this. And our wives are always like, I mean, do you know what you want to order? Yes. Tyler's far worse about it than I am. Oh, but yeah. that's, you know, and we'll get up to the counter. And then as soon as we do, it's like we freeze. And we're like, um, and it's just like, so looking at some of these just deer ads, in the headlines. there's just so much going on. Yeah. That it just like, uh, like it just, I don't know, it makes me dizzy. You know, it's just, there's so much to it. So at the same time, it's super intriguing because there is so much to it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that somebody is taking their time and like you said, when reading uh, that statement, they're spending money to put these ads out. Right. And and so, well, I've kind of read conflicting things. Like I've heard that it was around $1,000 even early on. But even if you say, okay, well, just in the last 10 years, it was $1,000 for a full-page sure. ad. Because, they, I mean, these ads are basically for, uh, you know, businesses within the town, within the city of Tucson to advertise and, like, hey, we're going to take out a $50 little yeah. ad of, like, a two-inch little space, you know, or I'm going to pay $1,000 for a full giant page spread. So whoever they are, you know, even even if we say okay, the origi- you know the first ten years was wasn't that much. Even if we're saying just the last twenty years since the the nineties, I mean that's a, that's you know twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. So there's serious there, there's like serious money you know being dropped on this thing. Mm-hmm. One thing too that I think we should uh, should kind of maybe say or sort of preface is you know from the top of the show we always say. You know, we use the phrase pre-internet mysteries. And when we started this podcast, this was part of the reason that we added that. Because this is one of the things, you know, much like uh, the Toynbee Tiles, uh, Lake City Quiet Pills, Cicada 3301. These are all these these kind of like pre-internet or early internet mysteries where people are, you know, printing things out at Kinko's and like, pasting flyers up in the city and like copying and like pasting things from, from, you know, we didn't have the really the internet. And even if it's early internet mysteries, typically any of those mysteries from the early days, we're talking about Usenet. We're talking about basically what we know now is like forums or basically like Reddit, you know, that would be all that we had. It was kind of like a little chat room. And so these early or like pre-internet mysteries are just like, we both just have such a fondness for these things because mm, mm-hmm. it just it seems like it just takes so much more effort, you know? Like, yeah. whereas now it's like, you know, I'm a graphic designer and just hop on Illustrator or Photoshop and, you know, bust out a graphic and 
and boom, you're done. But mm-hmm. back in the day, you had to, you know, you had to look through phone books and find a number to this place and go and have this thing printed. Oh man, the the level of detective work oh, man. was just so much higher. Yeah, you know, I mean, like you had to really be. I mean, you had to be Batman. Yeah, I mean, you kind of did. And it really does, you know, we, we t- you hear the term on this podcast a lot, especially when we're talking about, like, ufologists and, like, the early days of what we say, like, the boots-on-the-ground researchers. I mean, these guys would literally travel across the country, show up at, like, the town's library. You know, they're digging through microfiche and all these old records to, like, discover these things whereas now we think like we think researching is like oh i'm just gonna hop on the internet and Mm -hmm. call it a day but back then it just it took a lot more so the fact that and this is another thing that i think speaks to just how the level of genius really that this puzzle this game is is the fact that like we didn't have the internet and so Mm -hmm. when we say like there's things that that are you know mathematical equations there's Elemental formulas. There's like physics, coordinates, latitude and longitude. Yeah, coordinates. Almost like you know, you would think of the early days of the internet, like geocaching, like mm-hmm. from like literary stuff to theological stuff to, I mean, it runs the gamut of. Which, by the way, this leads into a theory that I have later. But this, it runs the gamut of like any and every possible thing you can think of. So, you know, now it's like, oh, well, this guy's a genius, like Michio Kaku. It's like, oh, well, he's a he's a genius in, like, theoretical physics and and string theory and all this stuff. Well, that's, like, just one little little thing where, at, you know, it's a very compartmentalized, you know, level of genius. This thing is just so spread out that whoever or, like, who, whatever group is doing this there's a mass amount of like knowledge, yeah, you know, for sure. And what's what's really interesting too is like, you know, you you read some of these, and then you'll see like he'll post. I think this is June. This might have been one of the yeah most recent ones that's posted on the website. But you know, you see the ad, mm-hmm. and then as you scroll down into the comments and stuff, you you actually see like a thing where. Brian shows like an email transmission. It says, dear Mr. Hans. And then there's like some updated coordinates. Mm-hmm. And it says, please post on your on your site at your discretion. Make available to Mayday Mystery fans. Best regards, the orphanage. And then there's like an image attached and it's just like this graveyard. Yeah, right. And so it's like, it's super intriguing because it, it really does seem like there is an organization behind all this. They do want whomever Mm -hmm. to find something or to win or you know like i don't know like to me also we kind of talked about this before probably when i was complaining to you about like just the complexity of these ones that you sent over to me Mm -hmm. it's like i'm looking at these ads and i'm like dang man this is kind of like it's like starting you know super mario brothers (laughs) At like the last level and just being like, here we go. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like the main, this is like the final boss. It really I'm is. looking at the final boss and I'm like, oh man, can I start like, what am I going after first? I, what's my mission here? Yeah. Like give me a little bit of that clue. And then let me see if it's worth the time because it's going to take me about mm, the rest of my life to right. figure out some of these things. You know what well, I mean? And, and I, think, I think you and I both are capable of, you know, a level of abstract thought. But there is something extremely, I don't, it takes a certain kind of mind to when there's not sort of a like a, a narration or navigation there's there's no 
sort of starting point. And some of these are, mm-hmm. you know, like you were saying before, it's like you kind of, we kind of become like paralyzed with like, well, where do I start? There's like, mm-hmm. you know, for example, the one from, I think it's 2007 or six, where it's literally like a cross. And, you know, again, it has Cromwell, Calvin, Gustavus Adolphus. And, you know, it's like you see that. And then it literally looks like a, a classified ad or like it's laid out, you know, in a bunch of little squares, kind of like a, a calendar. And then in each square, you know, one would be a phrase in Latin. The next square is, you know, a, a some kind of equation. The next one is coordinates. The next one is, so it just, you know, something in Hebrew or another language. So it's just, it's it really is, it does take a certain kind of person to, to even begin, really. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the yeah. point, too, is like, you know, the, I think, so you mentioned before the orphanage. So, well... Let's go back. So apparently these communications began with Brian Hance, and they started with a character or a key figure in the story, a guy named Robert Truman Hungerford. He's also referred to as Bob sometimes. Robert Hungerford is an attorney and alumnus of the University of Arizona, and he's Hmm. currently the only individual with proven connections to the Mayday mystery. So I think that's changed a little bit now, now that it's moved over to the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. I feel like... Some of the things that I looked into and some of the research I'm seeing where people are like, they're having kind of direct contact with people reaching out from the orphanage. Hmm. And again, we'll get into the orphanage in a second, but it is a little interesting. Uh, And let's go into Robert Truman Hungerford because, again, this is the only guy who he's kind of acting as a mediator between the quote unquote orphanage, the group, as far as like getting the, they're coming to him. And I think it's pretty genius, too, because he's an attorney. So they're coming to him and they they know, oh, well, this guy's an attorney. So there's a confidenti- confidentiality agreement in place. And so we're paying this guy. So he can never say or never give away the identity. If it's as right. easy as that, I think there's a little more to it. But I digress. Um, so they're going to this guy. They're saying, okay, we're, it's time to post the ad. And then this guy contacts the university, puts the ads in the paper, and again, as of late, I think there's communi- a, a lot of people are communicating directly with him, you know, and I think mm-hmm. he does seem to know a little more than maybe at one time that he sort of let out that he knew about. Here's a little background. Born in 1947, he attended the University of Arizona in Tucson from 65 till 69. Um, he studied liberal arts and was involved in the Young Republicans Club, honors programs, philosophy, and oriental studies. Mm. He received his doctorate in theology from Drew University in New Jersey and his law degree from the University of Arizona School of Law. Uh, he was admitted mm. into the practice of law in 1993. Hungerford is a member of Menza. I'll get into that in a second. According to the State Bar of Arizona, he speaks Dutch, German, Greek, Hebrew, Latin, Russian, and Spanish. Hmm. So here's the thing. When, we, when I originally started doing this research, before really looking into who this Robert Truman Hungerford character mm-hmm. was, I thought, well, there's no way that one person can have a, just a level of understanding of all these different things. There's, just, there's no way. It's too spread out. And especially, you know, pre-internet, there's no sort of way of, of pulling in all this information. So when I read this, it's like, okay, the guy speaks Dutch, mm-hmm. German, Greek, Hebrew, Latin, Russian, and Spanish. He's a lawyer. Uh, Oriental studies. Oriental studies. He received his doctorate in theology. 
So there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, it seems, yeah, I mean, like a lot of signs are pointing to this guy in some way being more involved than just I'm the mouthpiece right. for this organization, and, the legal mouthpiece. And this is another thing, too, that I think is even more telling. So I've heard of this before, and I never really knew what it was, the the organization Menza. Have you ever heard of this? Never have, no. Okay, so Menza is an organization founded in 1946 by a barrister named Roland Barrel and Dr. Lance Ware, a scientist and lawyer. Uh, the original aims were and are to create a society that is non-political and free form all racial or religious distinctions. Oh, free of all racial or religious distinctions. Uh, Menza means table in Latin because it is a round table of society. It is a round table society where ethnicity, color, creed, origin, age, politics, educational and social background are completely irrelevant. The only qualification for membership is scoring within the upper 2% of the population of the planet on an approved intelligence test. Mm. Uh, today, there are around 145,000 uh, members and in over 100 countries throughout the world on every single continent except Antarctica. They have three stated purposes. Number one, identify and foster intelligence for the benefit of humankind. Number two, encourage research into the nature characteristics and uses of intelligence and number three to provide stimulating intellectual and social environment for its members so man once i looked into robert hungerford then i look into menza which hmm. basically sounds like i mean it's I been mean, my it, theories about what who the orphanage is just totally these ads it's just constantly changing here man. yeah like now well, first, can I can I give my sort of like foundational sort of theory? Don't give it away, though. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess well, I don't even know how to answer that. Qu- well, <laughs> it's it so is, is a that hard. A yes, I can I can say what my theory is, or no. Uh, yeah, you can go into it. well. Well, one thing real quick that I, that let me say about the okay. Menza thing is, you know, couldn't have been more confusing. Go ahead. <laughs> well, this group was founded in 1946, so it's been around. Mm-hmm. This Robert Truman guy speaks multi-languages, doctorate in theology, is a lawyer, very intelligent guy, uh, Go is an alumnus of the university in mm-hmm. Tucson. It practices law in Tucson, is a member of Menza, this sort of elite group of genius-level individuals across the planet. Mm-hmm. So a really interesting thing to look at in that is like, okay, so... Before he had the internet, which is sort of crowdsourcing, you know, way to collect information of like, okay, well, I need, I need to put a clue in ancient Aramaic. Okay, well, I need to do a mathematical equation. I think Menza is basically that before the internet. He had yeah. he had a way of communication, whether it's by like phone or even sort of letter back and forth communication. You know, say he meets up with. With this guy, who's a genius in physics, and he has well, another. Yeah, I mean, because like that organization has that. You know, they, right. they, collectively they've got expertise probably in all It'll of those cover. areas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let me dive into my. Theory. Okay, go for it. Yeah. It's changed a little bit from whenever I first, especially hearing more about this guy. Okay, so first, you know, I always found it curious that this guy was an alumnus of this university. Yeah. That's just a really strong connection there. Mm-hmm. But so my overall sort of theory is this. Uh, I think that it's some sort of like academic society that is putting out these ads. 
and they'll have the funds to do it. I mean, for example, you know, I was in a fraternity in college and our fraternal, like our dues, mm-hmm. I mean, my dues alone probably <laughs> would have paid for this. I mean, no, I mean, you know, just a couple of the fraternity brothers dues would have paid for this ad easily every mm-hmm. year, you know? Right. And I think that, I don't know, I keep on kind of going back and forth on what I think the ad is for. I partially think now, especially learning about this Menza stuff and, and this guy's tied to all that. I, and especially since you talked about how they like kind of test the intellect of the individuals that want to be a part of the organization. Man, I kind of feel like this puzzle is a means to that end. Meaning like there's something buried in these potentially on how to maybe contact, maybe the prize is becoming part of this like organization, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. then carrying on that tradition. Because, you know, well, like, well, real quick, and sorry to interrupt, but there's a, in doing some research, there is, apparently there was a a place where a member of, I don't know if it was a member of the orphanage reached out to someone that was getting pretty close, or it was Bob that said this, but there's like a phrase that said, you are welcome when you can open the door. And so I wonder if that kind of means Mm-hmm. Once you've figured this out, then that's when you can open the door and join the orphanage. Because here's what it, man, because this is what it kind of seems like too. Look, we've all run into the, the quote unquote internet sleuths, right? Mm-hmm. And the people that know a fair amount of a subject, right? Mm-hmm. A small subject, but they're still sort of like, that's not their like expertise, right? Because like, if you really think about it, I'm I'm willing to bet, and this is probably an unfair sort of generalization, but I'm willing to bet the people that, are trying to solve all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. aren't expert level like physicists or molecular biologists mm-hmm. or like they're just like everyday lay people they're they're just like that are really like, into it yeah people that are super into it or mm-hmm. maybe even college age kids on the campus and so they haven't had that level yet and even as easy as it is now to kind of find information online and stuff like the access to it's a lot easier you know just because it's easier doesn't mean that if you don't have that knowledge in the first place, you're not going to be like, just because you can find right. answers to I like algebraic equations and stuff doesn't mean if you've never taken algebra, it's still going to take you a long time to figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so some of these clues might be of a certain level and the people that are interested in it, that could look at this and say, Oh, okay, well, and then somehow there's like something in these clues that say, if you tell somebody that, you found it, basically you're immediately disqualified, but this leads to X, Y. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I know that's kind of scattered thought, but like... Well, no, 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 that's good. Uh, one thing before we kind of move forward too is, so I found like four different occasions where Robert Hungerford has given interviews or spoken out on certain things. And I think these are pretty telling and pretty interesting. So it says in, 2000, in a 2003 interview with Tucson Local Media, uh, Hungerford revealed little about his involvement with the mystery in the orphanage, downplaying the theory that the ads were his work alone. It is entirely possible that all of this is the work of one person, disturbed or otherwise. It could be for amusement, could be for mental illness, could be anything, he says. But on the other hand, that wouldn't be a bad cover if one needed a cover. Mm. So number two, it says he also made some cryptic comments about the orphanage or brotherhood and its membership. Uh, mm. Regardless of its origins, the Mayday Mystery is intimately tied to the production of the Daily Wildcat, the paper. Hungerford says that the group may have other methods for contacting one another. However, he admits the ads have a way of attracting new members. 
like a tuning fork, there is resonance with the right people, he says. He also contends the group, which he refers to as the Brotherhood, has a growing membership, and he says, is there a growing underground army of people waiting to take up arms? It would be a wonderful thing if there was, but I wouldn't confirm or deny if even if I could. In a 2017 interview with Phoenix Magazine, Hungerford admitted that he was linked to the Mayday Mystery. The mystery is a work of art, Hungerford says. There's a society behind it, and this is the unveiling of the program that deals with future events. Man. Hungerford, who has been tight-lipped over the years about the orphanage, provided some clues in an exclusive interview. All you need to uncover the mystery is the text on Hans's website, Hungerford says. I would suggest to anyone who is interested that they start with the theological content. And then lastly, he also spoke about the mystery's origins. Uh, the, the Mayday mystery arose out of a group formed in August 1969, he says. There were earlier messages than the first one printed in 81, but they were in a different medium, which I'm not at liberty to disclose. Hungerford says there's no need to find the previous messages to solve the mystery. So, God, I do think that's interesting where... Originally, I was of the opinion that, you know, possibly one mystery would lead to the other. But it's almost more interesting in a way to know now that every single year it's like a restarting. So maybe if if one's a little easier than the other one, you don't necessarily need all the previous years to kind of, you know, crack this thing. God, man. How crazy is all that, though? Well, I mean, it's nuts. I mean, again, though, I want to know, like, what does it lead to? It's kind of like Austin. What? like Austin Powers, but what does it all mean, Basil? <laughs> right. You know, like, I don't know. Like, oh, it, it, and, you know, this is a perfect example of how really, yeah, I mean, we could spend like 10 years mm-hmm. researching and telling you guys, the listeners, more and more. But really, the purpose of all of this is to intrigue you. And kind of let you in again on our conversations that we have with each other about stuff like this all the time. Right. It, it's seemingly surface level, mm-hmm. but the purpose of that is to, you know, get you excited about it and then you go find out for yourself. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It, well, and, and, and like we always say too, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of places to look where, you know, there's people who spend every ounce of their time into like digging and finding these things. Uh, you know, I, there's not a ton of a podcast on the topic. There's not a ton of, of things on YouTube. I mean, it's still a pretty minimal thing. I think if you're into this stuff, you've probably heard of it. But overall, it's, it's still kind of a underground kind of thing. But, you know, like we always say, like when we discover these things, we're not the professionals. We're not the experts in these fields. And, and frankly, we're not even necessarily going into like, we're going to break down and give you every single clue, every single mm-hmm. bit of knowledge there is. It's This podcast isn't about that. This podcast is, is mainly about, hey, we're explaining to you things that have blown us away and how they make us feel and, like, mm-hmm. the things that, like, took our interest and, you know, just made us kind of go after it. Like, these yeah. are things that, again, that's why the podcast is so broad in, like I said, pre-internet mysteries, 80s nostalgia. It's so broad because... That's just the kind of people we are, and yeah, it, and less. It's less about us being, you know, quote unquote, experts in any certain like field. These are just yeah. things that make us really excited, get in, excited, and get into these things. And right, that's it. it brings co- it brings color to to life. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's like that is literally why why we 
talk about these things. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so much fun to uncover. And I got to be honest, like I have this like, I don't know, like I, it's like I can imagine how fun it would be to like create a puzzle. Oh, me too. That is so, that, that, that it's going to make people like kind of like intrigued and go on a hunt and, mm-hmm. and do detective work themselves. And, and you know, like what, what's fascinating about this too and why I think that it has to be more than just one guy or gal, right? right? Especially if they want it to like live on forever. I mean, this is like when you, we talk about this before or we, we talk about this kind of often, you know, my theory about creating and being creative. Uh, and I truly believe that in some way everyone has, because there's some folks, my, my wife, for example, who just don't think they're creative, but it's like, no, 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 you are creative just because you don't write a song like me or just because right. you don't, you know, create like, you don't draw as well, you know, whatever, doesn't mean you're not creative. Mm-hmm. You're creative in maybe like the way you, I don't know, plan things out or whatever Or it is, even, right? or so, do math or... Yeah, right. Like just everybody has a different paintbrush, you know? Sure, exactly. And, but when you create something... Paintbrush, but... Yeah, you've got several. <laughs> um, when, you, when you actually create something, it's a legacy mm-hmm. that you leave behind, you know? Um, yeah. Regardless of where your theology lands no matter what when the you know when you in this dimension even aren't here any longer the only thing you leave behind are the things that you made right right mm-hmm. children progeny yes that is a way for you to kind of like leave a legacy uh, you know by contributing your dna if we're going to get super scientific about it but you know creating a podcast creating the music that we make the the stories that we write the the things that we draw, the all that stuff is a legacy, right? And so yeah. this organization, for it to live on, now maybe it is one person. Well, Matt, you know, I mean, if he's saying that it started in the sixties, I mean, technically he he was in college at that time. That's when he graduated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it kind of lines up where sure he could be one of the founding members, which I kind of think he is. Man, me too, dude. I mean, like well, it just lines up, and and also. Let me say this too. So here, here's just like a couple things to sort of close out. But j- these are just a couple things about the orphanage. So it was first mentioned in 1989. And apparently it's divided into quote unquote sections. Uh, so they talk about the Dallas section, the Berkeley section. Mm-hmm. And it even goes into speaking about a Coimbra section and a Finland section, which kind of... Mm. Again, that could kind of tie into the Menza thing. You know, it talks about there's people in over 100 continents. So there's your sections. The name not only refers to like just the group as a group of people, um, but also a possible actual physical location, which is really fascinating. And the theories of what the orphanage is, is, you know, it's pretty loosely kind of up in the air. I mean, there's theories that it's like a group who have sort of orphaned themselves from their past lives and sort of mundane life that they were kind of born into. Or uh, there's a possibility that it links into a legend of a group of orphans during the Crusades uh, in 1212, you know better as the Children's Crusade, where this sort of orphanage and these orphans kind of led the charge in sort of a holy war type thing, uh, which also ties into... I don't know that story, but it sounds freaking amazing. Yeah. There's also a, a Books of Magic series, uh, I think Neil Gaiman wrote it, mm-hmm. called The Children's Crusade, which is really cool. But oh, wow. uh, lastly, it talks about Oliver Cromwell, or we think it's Oliver Cromwell. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Gustavus Adolphus, that's the only one that gives his full name, which is interesting. Luther, which I we believe is Martin Luther, and uh, lastly, John Calvin. Now, all of these guys 
I have a lot of notes into all this stuff, but there's sort of a one thing that's interesting is the fact that, uh, and again, maybe the orphanage is a huge group. Maybe it's four guys. Maybe these four guys are you know characters these guys are playing. You know, uh, Cromwell mm. at one time was the Lord Protector, the first Lord Protector of the Commonwealth of England, Scotland, and Ireland. So there's your English guy, Gustavus Adolphus was known as the King of Sweden. Uh, Martin Luther was a you know a French uh, professor of theology, or no, no, German, sorry, a professor of theology, wrote the Ninety Five Thesis. A priest, an Augustinian monk. So there's your your tablature music, your mm-hmm. theology stuff. Gustavus Adolphus was, you know, known as the father of modern warfare. So there's your military war mm-hmm. stuff. Cromwell was, you know, it's a, kind of a long story, but like this Lord Protector of England. Uh, he was in the Parliament, a military commander, general. He was known as Old Ironsides, which you've heard. Mm-hmm. Oddly mm-hmm. enough, his corpse was dug up, hung in chains, and then beheaded. That's interesting. Oh, jeez. Uh, they all kind of had this this growing like disdain for the Roman Catholic Church, which I find mm-hmm. interesting. And once you start looking into these ads, you do see a possible link to that. And then lastly, uh, John Calvin, he was a French theologian, uh, reformer in Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, he created, you know, the system of Christian theology later called Calvinism, which believed in that we were all predestined. Everything is predestined by God and predestination. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing about him, he was originally a lawyer that also broke from the Roman Catholic Church. And they're all like really sort of against this Catholic kind of reign, which is kind of interesting. And I think thematically throughout the years, you do start seeing more and more and more of that in the later ads, you know. But but it's cool if you're thinking of it as like, okay, here's your maybe maybe it is members of this Menza group maybe you have a guy from France he takes the bash the sort of mantle of this mm-hmm. character you have maybe another dude's English maybe another dude's German like yeah so it's really it's almost like they're like um it's like they're characters it's like a role yeah play yeah game. yeah and also well yeah nice <laughs> yeah for sure um it's also kind of like that's their uh, you know like you know, position in the organization is just, you know, right. instead of like it being like president, vice president, whatever, it's like Cromwell, um, it's like Adolphus. Uh, it's like Calvin. this is the guy who's going to be responsible for. And also I, I in digging to, and again, there's so much of this stuff, and I was really hesitant to even bring up a lot of it because, you know, if you go to the MaydayMysteryOrg.org, it was written a long time ago. And it's a very sort of generalized, like, this is the story, everything that we've kind of said so far. It's like, here's the story. Here's how it's all broken down. These are the characters. Go for it. Whereas in the last like 10 years, or maybe even less, you know, when when you were saying, Woody, that it kind of bumped over to the Facebook group, mm-hmm. there's been a lot more sort of exchange and back and forth between Bob uh, or Robert Hungerford uh, and actual members of the orphanage, you know, reaching out, emails, sort of, you know, that kind of thing. So a lot of that I just sort of left open-ended because mm-hmm. if this is something that you're interested in, if if you're good with puzzles, if you're good at theology or physics or symbology, ancient languages or symbology, cryptography, this is a place you kind of want to go then because mm-hmm. it's fascinating. But It is, man. But like you were saying, the you know, in wrapping it all up, my theory is kind of maybe this was born out of these academic characters. Maybe they're all professors in colleges and 
in Germany and France and England and America. Maybe they took on these roles, these sort of avatars, you know, Cromwell, Calvin, and whatever their position is, that's their sort of specialty, you know? So, mm-hmm. so when they get together, when they have like a meeting, I don't know how that communication works, especially back then, but when they have like their, their meeting, their phone call, their whatever, you know, your guy who would be really big into, you know, theology or the general who's big into like war and, you know, the, that would be sort of their own personal sort of offerings that kind of yeah. add into the, the overall theme, which ultimately is kind of what makes it super complicated. Yeah, and I mean, interestingly enough, now that you say all that, looking at these ads, it kind of makes sense that, mm-hmm. you know, they just either piecemeal it together later or like at a roundtable meeting, right? they kind of just say, all right, uh, let me get this piece, this piece, this piece, this piece, mm-hmm. boom, and they create this puzzle. Yeah, it's like, okay, Chroma, what do you got this year? Yeah, man, wow. I mean, it's cool. Super intriguing. Mm-hmm. Super, super intriguing. And, you know, like, like we said, I mean, I, I don't, I can 100% imagine some of my college professors doing stuff like this for fun. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, and even in like the, you know, secret societies and, and fraternities and stuff, they, these are longstanding traditions and, you know, kind of wipe away what you think as far as like opinions of, you like know. What it is. Or the what intentions, it is I guess. and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There, there's still what's fascinating about them is there are, these traditions that last, I mean, same thing goes for religion. I mean, they're like, even Catholicism and stuff, they, these are like rituals mm-hmm. and traditions yep. that have lasted and lasted and lasted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, sometimes thousands in terms oh, of religion. Yeah. You know, and so that's always been fascinating to me. And right. the fact that like, okay, so like John Wayne was in my fraternity. He did the same thing. Yeah. He went through the same thing that I did. That's I mean, cool. that's just like a cool thought, right? And it's, you know, I think, Oftentimes, there's a level of kind of fear and, you know, maybe disdain because those things are kept secret. Well, if, you know, I mean, if you're Bohemian Grove or the Bilderberg. Right. That's you know, anything scary. that, and well, yeah. And like anything that's like secret, though, has a tendency to like people outside of it will kind of be like, you know, th- there's a tendency, I think, sometimes that. What's like, going on in there? Yeah, and so like it must be something bad. I bet they do this, and then you know the rumor mill, you know all that kind of stuff. But what's cool about this is like I feel like wow, I just had this crazy thought too, man. What if, what if these dudes? Because one of the things that you said that that Robert guy said was, you know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, you know, and maybe what if what if there's like four individuals who are other planetary or yeah. ultra dimensional. I mean, there there <laughs> is a are, lot of theories that. Some people believe it's a cult. Some people believe that, I mean, I've even seen a theory, which this is a character that we're going to get into. It is a fascinating topic. The uh, the Comte de Saint-Germain, the Count of Saint-Germain. Apparently, he's this character throughout history who is kind of fabled to be immortal. And he pops up all throughout, you know, the original Queen Elizabeth and... and uh, uh, God, who was the let them eat cake? Uh, oh, um, Mary Antoinette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary Antoinette. Like he pops up all throughout history. He was an apparent like alchemist, and he can turn you know the transmutation of of coal into gold and diamonds and stuff. I mean, it's this fascinating character. And if you believe his story, 
you know, I mean, he, he, he's at least 600 years old. Mm-hmm. And everybody that ran into him kind of remarked of like, oh, well, you look younger than when I knew you back in my 20s. Yeah. Uh, so we we haven't talked about that on the show, but the story of the the count it's amazing. of Saint Germain is I mean we have to do an episode on yeah. it and like it it kind of loosely reminds me of this in terms of well it reminds me of all the things that we talk about mm-hmm. this even reminds me a little bit of is it hey man is that John Teeter seriously you know is John Teeter a part of the the orphanage yeah uh, you know like all this stuff kind of like lines up in a way and, and same with Count of Saint Germain like one of our theories, and I can't wait to talk about it on a show. But one of our theories is like: Is he a time traveler? Is he mm-hmm. from different? Is he you know, like kind of going through different dimensions? Is he, or you know, taking all of the paranormal stuff out of it? Is it almost like a there's a secret society, mm-hmm. and part of the mission is to find someone that looks like this person who can kind of be the the face which, of the organization? Which even that ties into it. If if you look at the concept of somebody just taking on the mantle of mm-hmm. something else, you know, that ties Super into what well, interesting, man. Maybe these people are, uh, because I've also found in research there's a, there was a quote, and I'm totally going to butcher it, but it was something like, something about the game continuing on after mm-hmm. we're gone. So I find that really interesting. And the idea that, you know, say one of the members of this original four, passes on well then maybe somebody who got really close or somebody that we don't know that actually did solve uh the game is brought on and it's like oh well you're a cromwell yeah. now mm-hmm. like that's that, that blows my mind that's amazing that is really really cool yeah well uh like we say every single week and we're not going to ever stop saying this we appreciate every single person that listens to our show Mm -hmm. you know it just means the absolute world to us it blows our minds every single time we love the comments that you guys send us the messages the stories the interests all of the stuff that you guys do it just completely i mean it just it just blows our mind Mm -hmm. and so we appreciate it thank you so much um let me ask you this tyler where is the best place for people to interact with us right now you know we hate the internet and, but the only thing that we like out of the internet is Instagram. So you'll always find <laughs> us, you'll always find us over on Instagram. Like what he said, we love the back and forth in the comment sections. Uh, we post a lot of stuff, a lot of artifacts, a lot of sort of supplemental material. You know, we'll post a lot of, a lot of these ads, you know, that we've been mm-hmm. talking about on this episode. So that's kind of where you can find us on the internet. Feel free to shoot us direct messages or if it's a really long form you know if you have a spooky story if you have a crazy encounter you know we'll maybe we'll read it on the air feel free to send that to uh that would be rad pod at gmail also like what he said you know we it's week after week that you guys keep coming back that we do this you know we started off uh, like i said before we started this thing uh kind of in a sort of a way basically for for our kids to be able to listen to when they get older, to listen to mm-hmm. their dads talk about the silly things that they were into, you know, back in their 30s and 40s. And that was really important to us. But as it's grown, it's become this this other thing. It's become almost like a family or like a friend group or our own like little gang of like these like, you know, fans of like what we're doing. And it just, it, it makes our day and... You know, we'll never grow tired of people reaching out to us. 
people saying, oh, well, this is a really cool story, but you should check out this or like things like that. Like it just it totally makes our day and we'll we'll never be too big or be too busy to not have the time to be thankful Say for those thank things. you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Man. So, so thanks for coming back week after week. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. And uh, so we appreciate you. We love you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it That's the way it 